With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Beautiful move to the net. Great shot, score! And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback! Cassie left it for McDavid. Drive the net. What a shot! Top right corner, unbelievable! Two flyers straight all over him. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Welcome to Oil Country, Dave Tippett. He is the 16th head coach in the NHL franchise history of your Edmonton Oilers. He was announced today, news conference at Rogers Place. We had it live for you here on 6.30. Ched, we will get to some of the highlights, and I'm very happy to hear from you this evening as well. Major news, obviously, for the Oilers to bring in a new coach. New guys in key positions. Ken Holland hired as GM and president of hockey operations earlier this month, and now Tippett, the head coach, Six years in Dallas. He made the playoffs five of those six years. Eight years with Arizona. He won the Jack Adams as the coach of the year in 09-10. Made the playoffs in years two and three as well. And then missed the playoffs five consecutive years. Uh, some really poor teams his last years, uh, last three years with the Arizona Coyotes. What did you hear today? What stood out? Was there anything you thought was particularly encouraging or anything you thought that uh, was maybe either discouraging or had you rolling your eyes a little bit? I'm happy to hear from you as Dave Tippett takes over behind the bench of the Oilers. The open line number is 780-496-0063. You can text me at 630-630. Get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And the email is inside sports at 630ched.com. So the Oilers coming off a season in which they had two head coaches, Todd McClellan fired 20 games in. Uh, Ken Hitchcock took over as head coach the rest of the way. They finished 35-38-9 for a meager 79 points. They were second last in the Western Conference ahead of only the Los Angeles Kings. They were 11 points behind the Colorado Avalanche, who had 90 and uh, were in the second and final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. This, of course, despite having two of the top highest scoring players in the NHL, Connor McDavid had 116 points, Leon Dreisaitl had 105 points, and as you remember, Dreisaitl, with 50 goals, second in the entire league, edged out by only Alexander Ovechkin. Despite that, despite those two-star players, uh, the Oilers, you know, never really in a playoff spot and then fading at the end of the year. So right off the top, the the big question and one of the things that has been debated a lot over the last two or three years here in Edmonton, 
how do you use these two players? They often played together. Not all the time, but they often played together and were very deadly together. So Tippett was asked on how he would use McDavid and Dreisaitl. With uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, I know Connor from working with him in the World Cup with Todd, so I know Connor a little bit. I don't know Dreisaitl uh, uh, personally. I've watched a lot of video of them together and apart. Uh, some of it, you know, I like seeing them Together, it seems like they feed off each other. And I'll give you one example. When we were in the World Cup, uh, we'd gone into the World Cup. We had 13 forwards. Uh, Matthews was our 13th forward. And going into the World Cup, we had put together some lines and trying different people with McDavid. And we tried McKinnon. We tried Drewan. There was a lot. And finally, we came down one day and said, you know, well, let's, try, let's try Matthews up there. And I, and I went to Austin. I said, you ever played any wing? And he goes, no, I'll do whatever I want because he hadn't played pro yet. He hadn't played in the NHL. And so we weren't even sure if he was going to make the team. And so then Matthews comes up and he put him on the wing and he was an unbelievable compliment. And if you guys remember those last couple games of that tournament, it was phenomenal the way they worked together. I see Dreisaitl a little bit in that same, same vein as Matthews where real solid, great plays. Uh, Connor can give and go with him and then basically dry saddle shoots when he gets a chance you know so that's one that that's something that sticks out in my mind that being said i'm not stuck on that i want to see how the rest of the lineup you know by the time we get to training camp uh, looks is uh, but you watch those two players play together they certainly feed off each other all right, so obviously he includes the uh, the will see comment, depending on what the roster actually will uh, will look like once we get to training camp in September. But it seems to me if Dave Tippett was thrown onto the bench tonight and the Edmonton Oilers had to all of a sudden play a game, he would have McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same line. But he did give some thoughts there about having, and, and he's talking about being a, an assistant to Todd McClellan on Team North America at the uh, World Cup three years ago and how it turned out Austin Matthews was uh, ultimately the best compliment for Connor McDavid on the same line. Dave Tippett's teams uh, generally have been known for doing a very good job at goal prevention. Now, he did have a couple of higher-scoring teams in Dallas. Uh, Here's where the Dallas Stars finished in terms of goals for the six years he was there. 7th, 20th, 11th, 22nd, 9th, and 20th. So three times in the top 11 and then three times between 20th and 22nd. By the way, they made the playoffs the year they were only 22nd in goals for. And that's because here's where Tippett's teams were ranked in terms of goals against while he was in Dallas. Third, second, sixth, third, sixth, and then 25th when they missed the playoffs. Uh, In Arizona, he had a, a year he was third in goals against, a year he was fifth, a year he was 12th. They were not good the last three years he was there. They were bottom seven or worse in terms of goals against and and goals uh, goals for every year. So you know, I most coaches come in and say they want to stress structure, they want to stress defensive play, they want to stress checking. And we're going to have Sam Gagne from your Edmonton Oilers on the show later on tonight. He played for Tippett in 14-15 in Arizona, so he's going to weigh in on that as well. But Tippett may be associated with tight checking, may be associated with low-scoring games, and he was asked specifically today, are you a defensive coach? I laugh at that all the time because my first job in the NHL, I actually got 
from Doug Armstrong in Dallas because I was an offensive coach. <laughs> I was the assistant coach in L.A. and I ran the power play and we had a real good power play. And Doug hired me because he thought I could work more creativity and more offense. And in Dallas, we had some good offensive teams. And then I went to Arizona and we had to figure out how to win without those high-end scores. So we figured out how to win in Arizona with character and grit. So and good defense and good goaltending. So I don't look at myself as a defensive coach or an offensive coach. I look at myself as a coach that tries to find a way to win with the people that I have. All right, so that's how Dave Tippett responds to the defensive coach question. You can text 63630. Trent says, Reed, I'm glad the Oilers finally got a coach with experience, unlike those rookies, Todd McClellan, Pat Quinn, and Ken Hitchcock. They tried before. Trent then adds, P.S., coaching isn't the problem here. Well, Trent, I, I, I'm not going to argue with that at all because, well, I agree with it. If I were to list the Oilers' top 10 problems from last season, I, I, I wouldn't have coaching very high. Maybe I wouldn't even have it in my top 10. The roster did not have the firepower and did not have the speed and uh, for the most of the season did not have uh, the goaltending. The Oilers' best runs of the season was when they uh, were getting a lot of stops, and that's you know the most important position on the ice and, and usually a formula for teams making the playoffs. Now, other things obviously go into goal prevention more than defense. Hopefully, Tippett will have an effect on that. I guess the other question for you guys is, uh, I, I mean, they missed the playoffs by 11 points. I am going to go into this season, and, and I'll have Jared on the open line here right away. I know I know you're holding 780-496-0063. I guess my question for you guys is, do you think Dave Tippett is worth six wins? Because I think because of the contracts and and no move clauses, and let's face it, other teams aren't going to line up to help the Edmonton Oilers in terms of trades and giving them players. Even if Ken Holland has a really good summer, I don't know if he can massively improve the roster. So if we're back with more or less the same team, maybe they're going to be a little quicker, maybe they're going to be a little younger. Okay, fair enough. Is Dave Tippett worth six wins in terms of improvement because it's going to take at least that to just sneak into the playoffs next year. So, so there's another way I put it to you as well. We have Jared checking in tonight. Jared, very nice to hear from you. Hi, Reed. I just got a couple of comments about uh, Dave Tippett and the main problem I think he's going to have. The, the first thing I would say about Ken Hall and Dave Tippett, they didn't have, they don't have the arrogance I found with Todd McClellan, Peter Shirelli. They're coming in like very level-headed. I mean, I think their ego is in check, and that's the one thing I like about them. But I think that the biggest problem that they're going to have is managing the gap between, like, McDavid and Dreisaitl and the rest of the players. So if he's going to go to a defensive structure, how is he going to fit McDavid and Dreisaitl in that structure so McDavid or Dreisaitl has the puck and they want to move up as a five-man unit, but Connor or Leon wants to do their own thing and he had a thoroughbred in Dallas and Mike Badano but I don't know like I don't think it's that easy to coach guys like Connor McDavid because they're so much better than everyone else how do you put somebody like that in a system and with the Oilers last year for me still the big problem is goaltending and the only difference between them not making the playoffs last year and, the, and when they had the good run was the playoff count Talbot and it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, what other minor changes are made. If they don't get the goaltending thing fixed out, uh, fixed up, 
they don't have a chance uh, to make the playoffs next year. And uh, that's all I have to say right now. Yeah, well, I think you're right about the goaltending. Uh, I mean, look, Jared, they were minus 42 in goal differential last season. So even if they score 20 more goals, you got to you got to allow 20 fewer just to get to even. And then, like I said, maybe you're a bubble playoff team, right? And you know there are other ways to prevent goals and penalty killing, but yeah, I agree that the goaltender is the backbone of your team, and for the most part, it was below average and, or, or poor last and, year. And with Dave Tippett, I think he can be worth four or five wins but then again every other again every other team is trying to improve as well but i think the oilers have you know have to pick one of two styles are they going to be a puck possession team where like ken holland had in detroit where they maybe like be more selective on their shots they're doing more regrouping they're not just shooting the puck off the glass or rimming it around the boards or they're going to play a style more like st louis where you chip the puck in and you forecheck heavy and work and work the play deep in the other zone so I don't know what kind of style he's going to play, but uh, I think the Oilers are maybe a little bit more suited towards puck possession than being like a really dominant four-checking team. Jared, nice to hear from you, buddy. We'll talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Soon, okay? Bye-bye. Jared at 780-496-0063. Chris will be up next on the open line after the break. And, of course, more comments from Tippett and Holland. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Yeah, just just want to put that out there again about about goal differential in the NHL. This past season, this past season, there were uh, 17 teams that f- finished with a positive goal differential. 16 of them made the playoffs. Montreal did not. Every team with a negative goal differential missed the playoffs, including the Oilers at minus 42. So if you look at it that way, the Oilers have to improve by 42 goals, either allowed, fewer allowed, or more scored, and then they'd be back to even and have a chance at the playoffs. Now, they had a massive turnaround three years ago when, when they made the playoffs. They, they improved around 80 goals from one year to the next, which was, I mean, almost unheard of. So we talk a lot about depth scoring and, uh, you know, getting more of the second and third line, all that kind of stuff. So, again, if the Oilers score 20 more goals, they still have to allow 22 fewer to have a chance at the postseason. So that means penalty killing improving, five-on-five checking improving, all those types of things. So do you believe... You know, Dave Tippett can improve them by six wins, by 42 goals. That's the task ahead of them. Chris on line two at 780-496-0063. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Very well. Good. Thanks for uh, taking my call. I just had a really quick uh, question. Um, just taking a look back on the season, it just feels like sometimes we're maybe overcomplicating uh, this whole thing about coaches and that kind of idea because, when you, when you phrase it the way you did, which I thought was great, of saying we're six wins away from it, and you look back on our season when you had a GM that obviously got in the way and made a mess of things, and I think it wrecked our somewhat depth 
able to preserve for a little bit. And then you look at that run where Hitchcock came in and he had a bunch of wins, but you then look at that. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had like two wins in 11 games in January, starting in January. But you looked at why and what changed. And, well, I mean, I think the obvious thing is bad luck. We don't have the depth, but when Clefbaum got hurt and you got Sekera, who never came back yet, and you have uh, Russell, who is out, I mean, you look at maybe preventing some goals more so than scoring some goals. And that's, I think, where we struggled. And with all of the mess that the GM made, and you look at all of the injuries that we had, and in essence, like bad luck, we're six wins away from still making it. And I'm wondering, is it really more so that we need this amazing coach, or is that we just need them to stay out of the way? Like their GM messed things up the way he did. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows what would have happened if, if Strom would have been around and Kajula would have been around, and, and, and you mentioned the injuries. Though, though, I mean, Chris, I mean, to be fair, a lot of teams had injuries, right? And some, some of them still made the playoffs. The Oilers were not deep enough. And that's enough. what I'm saying, where we kind of lacked in the depth yeah. when we had the major injuries. But, I mean, we're, like I said, I mean, it's not like we have, like, crushing, amazing defensive talent. But the talent we did have when they got hurt, that's where we slipped. And that slide that we had cost us the playoffs. And that, I think it was, again, January, I believe. Yeah, well, and a lot of things went wrong last year, too. I mean, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying it was all luck because they couldn't win a home game for a stretch, right? 3-11, and 11, I think, on a 14-game home stretch. And they couldn't yeah. kill penalty. And I will say this, Chris, I think you're right that they missed Clefbaum, yeah. but they couldn't kill a penalty regardless of who they had on the ice, when Oscar was there or not. And that... That has to be fixed. I think that must go beyond coaching. Maybe signing this fast guy out of Sweden is right. is going to help if he takes Reader's spot. But I mean that if you talk about goal prevention, if they had just an average penalty kill, they could probably shave off 15 goals against. So there'd be one step in the right direction. But good okay. thoughts, man. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. All right, that is Chris. Room for you at 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Tippett will talk about how he uses analytics. He said today, I was doing that before anybody was even talking about it. He'll explain. That's when we get back after the news. Inside Sports, 630 Chet. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Blue Jays in action this evening, trailing Tampa Bay 2-0 in the top of the fifth. Stanley Cup final, game two tomorrow. It's on 630 Chad. The coverage will start at 6 o'clock, so no Inside Sports tomorrow. I will rejoin you on Thursday. And then on Friday, we have an Eskimos game. 5 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. Game at 6.30 as the Eskimos close out the preseason, visiting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Edmonton winning 22-7 over BC on Sunday to start the exhibition schedule. And a little hard to judge things out of that game. Obviously, some promising moments from the return game. And regardless of who he had out there, defensive coordinator Philip Lawley did what he said he would do, and he dialed up a lot of pressure. Now, obviously taking on some BC players who weren't overly experienced, but uh, he wants to dictate, he wants to get after the quarterback. So I think that's something uh, that a lot of you will like as the Eskimos move into their new season. Uh, FC Edmonton plays tomorrow on away game. We'll have a couple of guys uh, in studio 
on Thursday to get you ready for their home game on the weekend. Edmonton Stingers. By the way, we had Jordan Baker on the show last week. He was player of the game in a Stingers victory last Friday. They are home again this Friday night at the Edmonton Expo Centre. So a lot to follow and, of course, full coverage today here on 630 Ched of the Edmonton Oilers hiring Dave Tippett as the 16th head coach in franchise history. He has coached 1,114 NHL regular season games. He has won 553 of them. That is 22nd all-time. We're going to get through some of the... uh, Better comments today from Tippett and Holland. The more interesting comments, I guess, is the way to put that. And, of course, your feedback is welcome at 780-496-0063. Or you can text 630-630. D from Drayton texting in. He says, hello, Reed. Uh, they just uh, have to learn to put the right guys on the third or fourth line. Don't take bottom six players and try to force them to be top six, as they have done in the past. Patrick Maroon, case in point. Well, Patrick Maroon, yeah, for one season obviously played like a top liner and uh, and couldn't keep that going, and now he's settled into a pretty good role with the St. Louis Blues if they have made the cup final. James texting in as well. He says, Reed, here's my take. I don't think Ken Holland can make enough roster moves for the Oilers to make the playoffs in 2020, but 2021 they will be able to make the playoffs and should be really good by 2022. That is James texting in to 630-630. Uh, Marco says uh, this team with two players that play harder than the players that they replaced did can get five more wins, but they need at least uh, average 900 goaltending every single night. That is for Marco. Well, I, Marco, I, I think I know what you mean, but they better be better than 900 because Miko Koskinen had a 906 save percentage last season and he wasn't in the top 31 in the NHL. So they're going to need about uh, 915, 900. 18 save percentage from at least their starter and it'd be nice to get that that kind of team save percentage if they're going to get into the postseason this year and you know it's interesting and and i'm not hearing anybody tonight even the couple callers we had in the first half half hour we are talking about a team next season where at this moment several months from training camp but we're talking about hopefully having an Oilers team that is good enough to squeak into the playoffs. Unfortunately, we're not having a discussion about having a team good enough to uh, to make a serious run at a Stanley Cup. Dave Tippett, who, of course, played in the NHL for several seasons as well, then got into coaching. He was asked today about using analytics. And, and I know from talking to enough hockey fans over recent seasons, some of you are going to hear the word analytics and you're going to poo-poo it or your eyes are going to glaze over. And I know some of you are, are really into it. Analytics are important. They're they're a different way to look at the game. Every NHL team uses them. How do they use them? What do they emphasize? How do they make decisions based on their analytics? Well, Tippett gave some insight into the importance he places on analytics. You know, when I retired in 94, I played for Philadelphia. I retired and I went to, I was a player assistant coach in Houston. I started doing analytics in 1995 and it was all off video and I have spreadsheets and spreadsheets from back in the mid 90s. So I've been doing it a lot longer than you guys have been talking about it. And I use it as a tool all the time. We'll use it in our preparation. We'll use it in our analysis after. I think it's a great tool. It's not the only tool, but it's a great tool. And um, my video coaches, if you ever got any of their ears, you would see 
how much stuff comes out. And then I was working with a young guy named John Chaika, who was very much into it, and he had a lot of information. So I, the analytics part of it has been a part of who I am way before. The one that I, I think the one you always go back to for me is scoring chances for and against. And it's not just, uh, there's, I have different rankings for scoring chances, how they happen, quality of them, and exactly who was involved in them, which is, you'd end up getting a real true plus minus. And I, I've collected this data for a long time, and it's, it's really interesting to see. Um, and I've made some decisions on them. I, I, there was a story I used to tell, we had a defenseman that was an old, your typical old defenseman, hard hack, whack, and, and, you know, just the greatest defender ever. And then we had this other young kid that came out of college who was a light guy, great skater, moved the puck, but he didn't have the aura of a defensive defenseman, so he didn't play those situations. And as I started going through these stats, one guy defends 75, 75% of the time, and the other guy defends 25% of the time. The guy who's defending 75% of the time, he's going to get kabong sooner or later, right? So there's a lot of things like that that I've gone through for years and years, and, and it helps him to try what we talked about earlier, maximizing what a player can do, maximizing their talents. And, uh, and numbers and, and stats sometimes can really lead you to some of those conclusions. What I appreciate there is that Tippett gave a concrete story from his career about how he applied analytics and it helped his team. Because I I think in this day and age, any coach or general manager or semi-intelligent hockey person is going to acknowledge that analytics are being used and that they're important and they should be used. But Tippett is saying, and and, and that's the, and, and right there is, he summed up complaint number one that a lot of people who are heavy on analytics have is that hockey people look at a player and say, well, he looks like he defines that type of a player, so he should play that role. But a, but a lot of pro analytics people say that when you look at the numbers, whether you want to look at shots against or scoring chances against, they will say he's not actually that good in that role. He's not actually excelling in it. Maybe somebody else could do it better. So I appreciate that Tippett had a concrete story from his career. You had a guy who appeared to be a prototypical shut down rugged defending defenseman and he had another guy who was smaller and quicker and and the 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 old school hockey logic would have suggested you don't put this guy out on the ice in defensive situations or or late game situations to defend the lead and Tippett says when you look at the numbers over the long term one the the guy who was perceived as being a defensive defenseman was actually a defensive liability so that's an, an effective way those numbers can be used. They're not the be-all, end-all in a game like hockey where you're changing the players on the ice every 30 to a minute 30, every 30 seconds to a minute 30. You know, you're not always going to get people out there in an ideal situation, but you can try to and you can lean on certain guys. So I like the tippet rather than just acknowledging analytics and saying, hey, I, I use them. He had a very concrete story about how it changed his perception of a player and how it changed his usage of a player. And I would think the people listening who are our pro analytics are going to like that. I'm, I'm going to make that that assumption. Okay. Uh, this texture says, "What does getting kabonged mean?" LOL. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, maybe that's maybe that's going to be one of Dave Tippett's buzzwords. Oh, he got kabonged. I think it means he gave up a lot of scoring chances and/or goals. All right, 
Rob, Bryan, Rob Brown and I, of course, are with you after every Oilers game on Overtime Open Line. Rob played in the NHL for several years. He often uses the word belief. And he says, you know, a team has to have some sort of belief to be successful or start to be successful. And it doesn't always come down to the team that believes more wins, but it doesn't help to believe that you can win. It doesn't help to believe that if you stick with it, you stick with your style, you stick with your checking, you stick with your teammates, that maybe good things are going to happen. I think you as fans certainly don't have a lot of belief in the Oilers in the last few years. And I would think, you know, in the dressing room this past season, probably deep down, the Oilers didn't believe they were going to pull it out in a lot of close games. So Dave Tippett sat down with Bob Stoffer and I after today's press conference, and I asked him about belief. How does a coach create belief for his players? That belief is earned, you know, because you get those results by by having some wins and not just I'm not just talking about wins games like wins in when you defend well for the last two minutes of a, of, of a period or a game you know you win a close game you earn those points and I was talking about earlier you earn the right to be a playoff team you just don't automatically get to be a playoff team but but the belief is built through your preparation your uh, players accountability like there's all those little steps that have to go into place now you believe you're a good team and you believe you can win right and once that belief, that's a, that's a confidence that's earned, once you get that going and you see good teams have it, they just, like St. Louis, they didn't have it the first half. The second half, they believe they're going to win. They went into every game, they believe they're going to win. Their young goaltender was playing great, but they had a belief system that just turned around for them. And it can happen, it can happen to any team at any time. So those are all things that we're going to be striving for here. All right, a little bit there for uh, from Dave Tippett. I mean, to me, he's saying you build belief by maybe not, I mean, obviously you want to win games, but winning game situations by saying we have done this before. We've killed a penalty late in a period and didn't allow a goal. We, you know, we, we preserved a lead in the last five minutes. Maybe we didn't have the great, a great night, but we figured out a way to win. And the Oilers have not figured out a lot of ways to win in, uh, in a lot of seasons over the last decade plus. Now, having said that, and I want to get back to what somebody texted in earlier, I don't think coaching has been a major problem for the Edmonton Oilers. The the roster just has not been good enough. So again, how much can Ken Holland do to give Dave Tippett more of the type of player, a more well-rounded roster that is going to be successful in the NHL? Dave Tippett knows what he wants to do. Ken Hitchcock knew what he wanted to do. Todd McClellan knew what he wanted to do and was pretty successful for one year while doing it. Uh, but nothing was maintained by by the by Hitchcock and McClellan. I mean, as one caller reference, Hitch had a 9-2-2 two, and two run. Yeah, some guys got hurt and things like that, but I, but I think the team was playing a little bit over its head at that point as well. Uh, we got more from Tippett here, more from Ken Holland as well. Of course, more from you, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630, and Sam Gagne will join us between 7 and 7.30. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, well, I, I really appreciate all of you out there, especially those of you who uh, offered a little bit of clarity. Come up, train. Come on! Stick him up, stagecoach. 
Come up, banker. Kaboom! How about that, Kellen? That's way before my time. El Kabong. Uh, quick Draw McGraw as El Kabong. That's on YouTube. Ooh. The name of the video is Mexican El Kabong Smashing Folks. I am El Kabong. That's great. Now we know. I guess Dave Tippett's a fan of that. Or at least he referenced it. <laughs> All right, that was good. You can text 630-630 about Dave Tippett, about Ken Holland, about the Edmonton Oilers, or about El Kabong. I'm, uh, I'm happy to hear about all of them. By the way, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch, Northern Chicken style. Buttermilk biscuits, sausage, gravy, smashed potatoes, Sundays, 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. You can visit northchickenyeg.com. Uh, that other voice you heard is Kellen Kennedy, who is our uh, studio operator this evening, and along with me, the co-founder of the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling, the SLAW. Have we received any applications to work for SLAW yet? No applications, but after tonight, I think the El Kabong character could be our <laughs> world champion. We are looking for uh, wrestlers, managers, ring women, ring men, uh, bell ringers, ticket takers, probably wrestlers, the first priority. But if if you would like to be a, a, a you know a charter member of this the, the uh, Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling, the SLAW, please email insidesports at six thirty shed dot com. Kellen, were you a guest on another show on this station earlier this week? I was. What yeah. did you, what show and what did you talk about? Uh, Drex invited me onto his show on Sunday night into Monday morning. And what did you discuss? Uh, we were talking AEW, the brand new uh, major wrestling. Uh, Federation startup uh, that had their first pay-per-view on a weekend. So you so. did go on to talk about wrestling. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So you are now a national wrestling expert. I guess. <laughs> I guess. He's so, he's so modest. That's what you get a lot of, get a love about Kellen Kennedy. By the way, you can get uh, extended coverage of everything that happened at Rogers Place today on 630Ched.com. We're bringing you the highlights from today's news conference and our interviews with Dave Tippett and Ken Holland. Tippett talked about, uh, asked how he's evolved as a communicator. I don't think I've evolved. I think I've always had it. That's always been part of who I am. I believe in, I think one thing that players would tell you about me is I'm very honest. I'm not... It's not a ruthless, ruthless, honest. I'm just honest in my opinion. If a player is uh, not playing well, and I'll tell him he's not playing well. If he's playing well, I'll tell him he's playing well. There's a there's a communication. I think it's it goes beyond communication. It goes to a relationship. You have a relationship with your with your players that you care about them, not just as players, but as as people, and uh, you build a team atmosphere accordingly. And the communication is easy, the easy part of it. That is one thing I have heard about Dave Tippett over the last couple of weeks as uh, he was rumored to be the number one choice to be the Oilers head coach about him being a very good communicator with players. Sam Gagne will expand on that after the 7 o'clock news. The current Oilers forward played for Tippett in Arizona in the 2014-15 season. 780-496-0063. We have John on the line. John, nice to hear from you. Hey, Reed, I know we'll be talking football pretty soon as at the game on Sunday. We're going to have a good team, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, you know, I'm not quite so pessimistic as a lot of the callers as far as how we're going to do next year. Like, I, I, I can see that there's going to be some better play from people like Adam Larson, for sure. He's going to come in, new attitude, refreshed, healthy. Anybody who's dealt with the dad passing away 
and having it happen suddenly. I mean, I went through that, and I was kind of useless for six months. So I just see him as a big improvement. And between Larson and Nurse, there are shutdown guys, man. The play ends with him. I think Clefbaum is going to have a great year, and I think they'll probably keep Sakara to add experience in the back end. And then I can see uh, the defense changing a bit. I think Caleb Jones is a great skater, a puck carrier. He's got good passing skills. I think he might be the one that comes up. Uh, I can see them using Evan Bouchard right away because they need his right shot that sifts through on the power play. He's an elite passer. He is a power play guy, and I just think he's going to be up early on, if not to start within the first month or two. And then we sign some guys with, with speed we have coming, so I can see Nygaard on the power play and penalty kill, especially the penalty kill, and I can see maybe um, McLeod coming up after a couple of months because he's got that speed, and his, his record on the face-off this year was really pretty good. And so I think that the team is in search mode right now for some uh, lower-level uh, wingers and centers. And, you know, Reed, there's there are guys that are available. The trick is to find them and, and make sure the salary works. And we're not even talking about complicated stuff like uh, trading somebody and making some cap room. I just think... There's opportunities for a lot of improvement, and for me, the way the main worry is, man, it's the goaltending. I just am praying that one of our three goalies that played on the farm team this year can come in and and be the backup because, boy, we got to get that fixed for sure. And I'm just delighted with with both uh, Ken Holland and our new coach. I mean, I just think you couldn't have two better guys going through things and I'm I'm hoping we don't hear a lot of people complaining anymore about uh, uh, you know about the analytics stuff and some of the other comments uh, I just think they've already started to reorganize the upper end of the hockey side and you know uh, McTavish is gone uh, uh, the Sutter is gone uh, Tom uh, Coffee is gone so you know uh, just Give these two guys some time because they are going to identify what we need. We're going to get another good one or two players in the draft, and I'm I'm feeling a lot better than I did about two months ago. Reed, John, great to hear from you. We'll talk again. Okay, thanks, Reed. That is John seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Next hour of the show, Sam Gagne from your Edmonton Oilers. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.